Welcome to the Stoner's Point of View, Season 1, Episode 2. I'm Brett, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Terrell Parker. Terrell, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. So excited for this episode. Me too. But before we can get into any of that, we have to introduce uh, a very special guest that we alluded to on last week's episode, um, our brother from another mother, uh, Phil Froze. Phil, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good, guys. Glad, uh, glad we could make this work today. Uh, it was a real shame that I got to miss uh, last week's episode because, as you both know, by the way, I've known these guys longer than I haven't known them. Uh, I'm a big fan of talking about Tool and, most importantly, talking <laughs> to people talk about how awesome Tool is. So, uh, sorry I couldn't make it last week, fellows, but uh, glad to be here today. Well, better better late than never, and uh, and we're certainly glad to have you. So, um yeah, I guess, I guess let's just get right into it. we got a pretty exciting show today. Uh, our song is a choice from a uh, classic band, uh, Jimmy Eat World, um, who the first thing I think of when I think of that band is nostalgia, because mm-hmm. the first time I heard of them was during uh, my youth, which I look back on fairly fondly. And uh, yeah, so that was the first thing I thought of with that. And our movie for the day is the outstanding... Uh, flick Donnie Darko, which uh, I know we all thoroughly enjoyed the rewatch, especially while high. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I uh, think it's a great film. My yeah. wife actually had a nosebleed while we were watching the movie, and it seems strangely appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, what, we're gonna we're gonna definitely get into uh, all the ways that Donnie Darko makes you think about kind of everything. Um, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the wonderful green herb we partook in before we, uh, listened to the song and watched the movie. For me, it was the classic, uh, OG Kush provided by my father, which we, as a group of friends have lovingly dubbed dad Kush. Um, and I was significantly higher this go round than I was on last episode while, uh, taking in the content. So, uh, my notes are a little bit more uh, stonerific, if that's a word, uh, but um, I'm happy. Okay. Uh, hey, gotta you? respect the dad kush. Gotta respect the dad kush. How about you, Terrell? What were you uh, nice and ripped on? So I went to my local uh, dispensary. Um, mm-hmm. And so in Ontario, we have the Ontario Cannabis Store, and um, they basically carry whatever they have. And I found this brand from, uh, it's actually grown by um, Indigenous people in Nova Scotia. And it's called, uh, they're called Msuku. And I found this stuff called White Wedding. And it's a 25% nice. uh, THC um, uh, indica. And it's fantastic. Super strong stuff. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was shocked. Uh, once again, not for beginners. Um, what, was, what was the, um, because uh, full disclosure, Terrell showed me a screenshot of the actual container. There was a warning on it, something about a couch. <laughs> um, it's like may may cause couch coma or something like that. It was it was quite quite entertaining actually. It's definitely one of the best strains I, I've ever smoked. Um, it has a really great flavor. Um, it's very strong. Like I said, um, there's a lot of reviews on it online. So look them up. Msuku uh, White Wedding. Um, cool. Probably my most favorite indicant dama hybrid. It's it's like a Mack truck. That's what I'll say. Nice, man. Well, we'll have to get together in person sometime soon and uh, and see what the what the hubbub's all about. I'd be happy to try that. And Phil, you're uh, you're still rocking your your sweet homegrown or what? Uh, well, actually, guys, I I fear I may have misunderstood the point of this podcast because I've actually been smoking PCP all week. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> in all serious, yeah, I'm still. Uh, I'm still smoking the homegrown. I don't know what strain it is. I yeah, that doesn't it's, matter. It's 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 my not so good first crop, and I'm still enjoying it. While I'm uh, I've got my uh, my current crop hanging up behind me here. So, I'm, beautiful. Uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. Beautiful. Yeah, and you know, um, you were very generous and supplied me with a decent amount of that uh, homegrown crop, and I very much appreciated it. And I indulged in that most often. Uh, via tea i would make tea out of it and i found it made a really uh excellent tea nice and relaxing and uh yeah i remember you telling me that and i i still haven't tried that but i uh i i 
I've, and I've only got about half a jar left, so I, I, I'm go. just going to be left wondering. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing we can have this conversation because in Canada you're allowed to grow your own supply, which is right. now becoming part of like the lexicon of being a, a stoner is that you can kind of share with your buddies about the trials and tribulations of, of growing it yourself. And, and a kind of chore, like you would look at, like going to help a buddy move a bunch of stuff. Like that's what dealing with your marijuana situation is like in Canada. Like today I had to drive an hour and a half to go see my dad to help him trim up and hang my plant. <laughs> and the hilarious part about that is the neighbors were right out in their yard trimming and hanging their plants too. And like, it, it's, it's wonderful to see, but it's also a huge culture shock just because of like the times that we lived through where it wasn't legal and now it is. Mm -hmm. um, so all you people out there who are advocating for the legalization of marijuana in your respective district, uh, keep it up because it is worth it. Yeah, keep it up. I was in California last year and that was awesome. Get it legalized. <laughs> for sure. Um, well, let's, uh, let's get into our, our content for this week. Um, as mentioned, uh, we went with... Um, Sticking with our theme of title tracks, we went with the title track off the Jimmy Eat World album, uh, Bleed American, for our song. Great. Which came, and, out, uh, which came out the same year as Donnie Darko in 20, uh, 2001, by the way. Excellent. And there's also a lot of themes of, uh, I guess, growing up in both of mm -hmm. these choices, which is interesting. Excellent, excellent factoid. Yeah, that was not pre-planned. That is just uh, providence at work. Um, so Also, another similar thread. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, no problem at all. Is that uh, both friggin rock yeah yeah they're they're both actually awesome um the the one uh tangent i want to start in true sonar fashion on a, a tangent that uh happened at the start so um with lateralis what i did was i uh i brought up a youtube video of the song lateralis mm -hmm. full song listened to it and that's how i i went about it this time i tried to do the same thing and to my surprise the first out uh the first video that loads is dubbed official video for bleed american and it's actually a more recent live performance than the original album version so i said uh no thank you and um quickly found the original version so the lesson there is if you're doing um reviews of songs and you want the original version use spotify and don't attempt to use youtube but anyways <laughs> yeah sometimes i look up the wrong video too yeah. Um, anyways, so I, I, I get to the album version. Um, I, I start it up and it kicks in right away. There's no long intro. It's, it's a polar opposite of lateralis. It kicks in right away. And uh, the very first thing I felt was nostalgia. I was just like, oh man, I'm back in like high school and these guys are rocking it. Um, and uh, yeah, it just, it kicked in and it caught me off guard with, with all these like flood of memories of this song and stuff. And I just remember uh, seeing these guys on like MTV or MTV2, I think mm, it might've yeah. been. And they did this song independently, like the, or the whole album, I think actually was an independent record. Um, I could be wrong on that, but for sure, for sure the song was, uh, they weren't, they weren't like hugely signed or anything when, uh, when they started this stuff. But anyways, back to the song. Lyrics kick in and, and I'm like, oh, these lyrics are, are pretty good. Like the- The first verse very, is amazing that I'm not alone because the TV's on, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not crazy because I take the right pills. It's very, you know, interesting. Absolutely, stuff. yeah. You, you, get this, you get this vibe of like grinding through life and stuff. And um, so when it gets to the little, uh, the end of the verse there and it's like, um, you know, uh, cure your thoughts with space side and like full disclosure i had to look up what space side was bro um, nobody knows and what it's space actually like a is. right it was a, a single place. malt scotch whiskey which it's i had no idea it's a place in scotland where like glenfiddich is made and it's called space side so he's alluding to clean your to, to yes clearing his thoughts by getting hella drunk um <laughs> yeah but but it just conjures this idea of the nine to five and giving it your all and like working for the weekend type of thing right like you're you're grinding through your days so that you can uh, clear your mind at the end of the day with a bunch of booze and and who hasn't been there am i right i haven't yeah of course not <laughs> um but then then the chorus kicks in and i'm quickly like whoa that's the best part of the song like immediately i'm like wow like it, it just it 
And I don't think it ever hit me like that when I first listened to it all those years ago. Like, I, I think I always appreciated it as a song, but it was, it was probably partially the weed and partially the fact that I'm like, I, I don't know, I listen to songs with a little bit of a different perspective now or whatever, but it really, uh, the chorus really like struck me and I was, I was really, uh, really hit by it. Um, the lyrics were just really strong and uh, yeah, it just was, I love the bass playing in it. I find that the bass playing is really like tight and perfect. And, and if you listen to this whole record, the musicianship on it, the way it's recorded, all the songs have this really clean, clear kind of recording quality, even though it's like this mm -hmm. alt rock, especially Bleed American. It's like, it's pretty yeah. punk kind of song. Well, and, and so it's, yeah, it's their like, their pop kind, their poppiest kind of like uh, effort up to that point. And uh, I remember the singer in an interview actually was, was saying that um, he felt that, you know, he wasn't super comfortable going that super poppy direction and like for the content of the lyrics and stuff and how kind of, you know, real and grindy it is. Like he, he wanted something maybe a little bit more dark, but um, I'm, I'm glad they didn't cause it's, it's a banger of a song. Um, it loops through all those parts again. And then when the bridge starts, that's when the singer really goes, hey, I'm going to show off a little bit. And he does. Oh, with and those high, yeah, with those high parts. Yeah, and I'm just like... What's funny, sorry. No, go, go ahead, go ahead. Talk, What's yeah. funny about those high parts is that uh, I, always think I'm, I always think it sounds wrong, but mm -hmm. I can't imagine it any other way. You know, yeah. like, I, I'm like... Absolutely. It's, I'm like, I don't know if I like that, but like, I like it because it just works. Yeah, yeah. It's a and big my, rock song, you know. That's the thing about ooh. these guys; they have that big rock sound that harken well, back to like Bruce that big rock sound is like mm -hmm. even when that song first kicks in, like that song. I literally, I was excited about coming onto this podcast today uh, when I heard that this was the song uh, because I like I literally remember the first time I I heard that song. It was the music video on MTV Two mm -hmm. back in the day. Uh, Canadians had some special satellite magic where we could get your your american stations and uh and it just rocked pardon my french but rocked my ass off that first riff uh like i think about that riff and it's one of those riffs that like it hits where we're like you know we've we've all done the band thing and it's one of those riffs where i can just imagine the excitement of writing that Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. that that feeling of when you're playing it with the band and you start to nail it and you're just like, oh yeah. my goodness, we're on to something. Like that 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 chorus riff, it's just mm -hmm. you know, and the song's so simple, it's just it's just you know, it kicks in, verse, chorus, same verse, and then just kind of goes off and like has you know, it's just perfect. I right. And song. and and to kind of touch on that same point, uh that that vibe of like being excited and really like vibing off each other really shines through I found in the bridge too because mm -hmm. they had that sweet part with the singer but then immediately after that the instruments kind of get their time to shine and absolutely the guitarist goes off doing his thing and you can tell that the members of the band are just they're just loving this tune oh um, yeah they're just shredding it like you don't write a song like that without rocking out with your with with your band you know like it's uh mm -hmm. it's really quite something and then they oh. uh sorry go ahead uh, one other thing I was I was gonna say: Am I the only one that before we did the research for this podcast that like I only knew the lyrics like "sugar on the asphalt" for sure? I knew that's what he said for sure, but the rest, yeah. I uh, wow, you know, like I always thought he said "uh huh, that's hardcore." No, our hearts are full. Like, yeah, it's normally the, the opposite. I normally assume that that lyrics when I mishear them, I normally assume it's something much more profound. Right. But in this case, I just thought it was, that's hardcore. And I was like, yeah, that is hardcore. But <laughs> yeah. it was actually the opposite. It was actually something much more profound than what I thought it was. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have that actually written in my notes in bullet form. Like lyrics is like underlined in exclamations because uh, that was like, the, it, it loops back into the chorus and then that kind of takes the song home. And, <laughs> and you're kind of left at the end of the song like, man, that was like a really good tune. And like, <laughs> I was also quite baked by this point. And, great great tune but and, looking at uh, the lyrics i have to say like the like great band but uh he has uh like a scott stapp liberal style with his pronunciation because i didn't know any of the words <laughs> so many times this the singer jim atkins he's actually a really interesting singer because he he'll throw in like little 
tremolo parts and he can sing quite high um and yeah like his his lyrics you know a lot of the times they because jimmy world's known as like this midwest emo band that made it big in the pop world via their you know big rock albums like stadium rock but it's really because of like the personality of jim atkins which i think shines through on this song and you can actually watch youtube videos of him breaking down how they they create their music and he's a really like insightful like uh, well-spoken guy and this song uh, is you know once again has really poetic lyrics that i think talk about kind of coming of age but also coming of age in america because mm-hmm. it has its own kind of point of view uh, actually right. something i to, sorry Terrell, but just to add to that is they were like super young when they released this album this was 20 like, years ago it just came out yeah, in 2001 but, like, these, these guys were like like they were like 17 18 year old kids if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. and it's, it's funny because when you read those lyrics it's like like that's all i could see i was like i can see what they're saying but they're saying it in such like a like a like a teenage way you know? mm-hmm. yeah and uh it's funny because the album they actually uh changed the name of the album after the fact in the wake of uh 9-11 yeah oh really um yeah yeah the uh i i got that information that was not a uh, something i keep in my head folks i i got that information from a, a site that i use once in a while called song facts and uh yeah that was that was an interesting little tidbit that i that i saw there is that they uh they ended another up changing the... oh sorry buddy. no go uh, ahead. another interesting tidbit is that uh um the, the singer terrell what was his name again jim atkins Jim Atkins, he did an interview a while back, like a few years ago, and this wasn't even part of my research. I just remember reading it. And he was like, advice to people, like kids in bands out there, don't give your band a stupid name, because if you get big, you're going to have to stick with it. He's like, my band's called Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what? They're they're one of those bands that, um, you know, they came out of nowhere for me. I like, like Phil was alluding to, the first time I heard this song, same exact way. And I think... Um, you know, the idea of the general dissatisfaction and yearning for something more, it is really like a description of something's missing. And that's kind of how a lot of teenagers feel. I know I did. And I think when you're stoned and you hear this song, it has that like kind of rebellious, like feel of a being a teenager where you're like, yeah, I'm picket line, but picket, you know what I mean? Like I'm into this. I'm, I'm cheering yeah. along with the character. And I, I really like the, the yeah. just the overall energy and quality of the song is, is great because it's so to the point. Yeah, absolutely, sure. absolutely. I find it's one of those like, well, I, I, obviously when you're when you're smoking the the marijuana, uh, you tend to listen to songs on repeat more often. But this mm-hmm. was definitely one of those songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was super relatable too. Like when he was talking about uh, like with your grain, like it. He, he he does the space side thing and you can tell that he's like he's a, a Scotch fan. He's a man of culture. But then he's like with your grain, you know whatever whatever you use to kind of uh, make your days pass by the the best and that whole record is so good too you know with the the um, you know a lot of people really praise this album when it came out I remember it was highly reviewed because of songs like sweetness and get it faster um, you know it had a lot of really good singles and I think if you think of this and you compare it to like the other kind of like poppier punk emo whatever you want to call it alt rock kind of stuff when you compare it to like Blink-182 or Weezer, this has a lot more depth to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds better. Absolutely. I personally feel it just has a cooler recording quality. And it's one of those records that you can listen to starting from Bleed American uh, all the way to, you know, the Authority song and My Sundown, which are the last two songs on the record. Yeah. And it's a great listen. And I think if you're listening to emo or pop punk for the first time, I would say this is a great way. Sit down, get a little stone, put this one on, and you're going to remember Bleed American, a praise chorus, the middle you're going to feel great listening to this record from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, uh, Terrell, I would have to say too, like you were actually one of the people that, that showed me that band in a greater context than I knew them. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause I had just seen, or, you know, seen the, the singles, the videos on MTV two and whatnot. And, uh, and uh, you showed me that band and I realized I was like, wow, there's like, there's actually really something here. And you said it best. I, there's really some depth here. Uh, so yeah, yeah, definitely worth a listen. Check out the album. Yeah. Yeah, I, what I would you, think, what would you give it, Brett? What would you give it? Like, I know I like to I always ask the song, stuff. the song, the, or the, the song, the song, and the album. Like at a ten is the way I like to do it. Phil, you can try. Yeah, it's 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 hard. Like eight, eight and a half. Like it's it's up there. Like it's good. I'd even give it a nine, maybe. It's a pretty good song. I was like really into it. 
<laughs> uh, for me, if I had to judge it on a scale of a uh, fluorescent bulb across the back uh, <laughs> to an empty six-pack of Corona, I'm just looking at things <laughs> in my shed right now, I'd have to give it a uh, network extender. Okay. All right. Fair so it's enough. pretty. It's pretty. Pretty sweet. Yeah, I'd probably give it the same, like an eight and a half out of ten. It's one of those records. I thought you I were gonna say I'd give it a network extender too. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that good. Network extenders also eight and a half out of ten. I get those. But uh, yeah, I highly recommend Super it. Handy. Super handy. Great record you can put on, and I feel that if you're showing people this kind of music for the first time, it's something that uh, that is a popular band that was on the radio that I think everyone likes. That's rock music. For sure. Candy rock music. <laughs> so, switching gears, um, I think that about wraps up the uh, the Bleed American discourse, and uh, I'm very glad that we were able to get into that. Uh, like I said, the song really, uh, really hit me good, and I was really glad that I had listened to it. Um, but part two of our research evening, um, and this is, this might take a while, folks. Um, we all uh, watched Donnie Darko um, and fair warning uh, the movie has a lot of unsettling elements um, but that's part of the charm that makes it good and uh, yeah if you guys are ready like I'm, I'm ready to get right into well let, let's just warn everyone let's not let's not uh, you know if you haven't seen Donnie Darko we're going deeply into this well I am you know spoilers alert Spoiler um, alert for a 19-year-old movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, if I have to say that you haven't seen Donnie Darko, just get stoned and go watch it right now. It but, is worth it. Uh, to, but to even, if, even if you have, it's worth pointing out that Donnie Darko is two completely, like, I wouldn't say different, but they are different experiences. One, if you've seen the extended cut, a lot more of the content is on the nose and it explains it and it, it gets into a lot more of the things that if you didn't watch the extended cut or the director's cut, you would maybe be left to kind of your own imagination to fill in those blanks. It really does fill in those blanks for you with all the extra stuff. Um, now, Brett, so, which version of the movie did you watch? Did you I, watch the director's No, I watched, I watched the normal cut version. Okay, that's the one I watched as well. For Al? So I, I watched uh, all of them, and I have since, you know, it is a 19-year-old movie. I've seen both, and there's a lot of criticism about um how the director's cut gives so much away but if you're a big fan of this film um i feel like you're going to research this and read about this stuff anyways because it's one of those films that requires a little bit of effort on your end to really truly understand it and i think you can watch it without the director's cut but if you're a big fan it definitely enriches the for me personally it enriched my experience because i yeah. felt like i really got it and that's why i love this movie is because i feel like it there is some ambiguity to it and the, the listener or the watcher or the viewer um, is going to make their own assumptions about it. Uh, right. and, and some people don't like that in the director's cut that it, it uh, points out things so clearly. Um, mm -hmm. But I like that personally. What, I've what are your never thoughts? actually seen the director's cut, but that's what I was reading about it. So I, I've seen the movie so many times that I, I actually wanted to yeah. just uh, go back and watch the original cut of it and uh, and then just do some research so i i yeah. plan on watching the director's cut but as of now i'm 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 og baby well and i think i think uh first time viewer can't go wrong either way but like from my perspective i would say watch the original mm -hmm. and if the movie got you and got you exactly. thinking then yeah by all means the stuff that you can research and and the extra stuff you can watch will take you on this whole other ride that is absolutely worth going on so mm -hmm. Yeah, you should definitely do that. So, yeah. yeah. If you're wondering how Donnie is this, Darko, <laughs> check out the director's cut. It's, it's real Donnie. Um, but yeah, so movie starts, first scene, I'm looking at it and I go, man, I am baked. Like the, <laughs> the music, the music and just the way, it, the way it enters the scene and stuff. The soundtrack is so good in this movie. It's yeah. a special so soundtrack. Good. Literally my first note, great soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it was the music that really took me and, and hit me with that realization. I actually like had a, a brief second where I was like, am I going to be too high to take these notes? Like, because I, I like take notes on pen and paper as I'm watching. And I'm like, I might be too high for this. But then I just, uh, I just manned up. And I, I, have just the, I have the exact same note because I watched this like five times this week and I've watched it 
countless times before. And I definitely have a note um, because I've watched it so many times. The first scene where Donnie is looking over where it also is the last scene, it's October 2nd. And he's, yeah. it's, he's in the same spot. Um, you see this like panoramic view of this part, which is supposed to be Virginia. Uh, and what I love is like when you're really high and you kind of know what's going to happen, you're like, oh, Donnie knows. Donnie's been here. Like, I feel like one of the mm -hmm. concepts in this movie that people don't talk about uh, enough is kind of, I feel it's kind of like Groundhog Day, like Donnie's in a yeah. time loop until he, it becomes enlightened uh, right. at yeah. the end of the film. For yeah. sure. And I, I like the way that I have in my notes that like, this is, this is where they start off introducing Donnie. Mm -hmm. And it's like all the, all the stuff in that part from him, like, kind of waking up and smiling and laughing because he knows something and then like heading home and his family's like eating dinner and stuff like it was just a great introduction and just like my my actor spider sense went off and I'm like man like this was that long ago and Jake Gyllenhaal was even a good actor back then like well and, the, and so this young whole, in that I couldn't believe it this whole mm -hmm. movie is so well done there's so many great actors Richard Kelly the director did a great job like he did and, such a great job that he matches lyrics to the movie like the killing moon like fate against your will there's double even, meaning even to everything in this movie even the end and I'm like skipping all my notes here but even the end doing mad world during the end and we'll come back oh, to absolutely that. And yeah, speaking of just, skipping notes and act great act Maybe not a great actor, but Seth Rogen is in. This yeah, which yeah. Connects so I, I definitely, that? I definitely, I, I definitely have that. So let's, um, I, I have that and some other ones. So let's, let's try to get through the movie uh, chronologically. Okay. And yeah. uh, Sorry, because we're, we're when, when they here. introduce these actors is a big thing for me too, and it was the same way with last week with our movie kind of review. Um, the introduction of specific actors, especially if they're name actors, mm -hmm. like they, they're done a certain way, and it's really cool. So. Yeah, we got the we got the cool soundtrack tune. We got the he comes home, his family, his dad's a total dad with a leaf blower the whole bit. You know, they're like, Where's Donnie? Oh, there he is. Anyways, they do the dinner scene at the table. They introduce that he's on medication. Mm -hmm. uh, his sister rats him out to her mom and uh introduce that he's medicated. So already we're like, Oh, he's not taking his medication. Well, this isn't gonna be good. You know, for anybody that's actually on meds um and have stopped taking them. You can probably uh, you can probably identify how that would be a problem. You know, um, another usually side... worked out pretty well for me. Yeah. Side <laughs> side note too, you can see his mom's reading Stephen King's It. Just yes. To... Yes. Did you guys know? Sure. I didn't notice that before Absolutely, until I was high, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, that's yeah. weird." Yeah, that was definitely <laughs> one of those high things that you that you pick up and notice. Yeah. Well, it's Absolutely. also one of those things too that's way more apparent when you watch an old movie like that on your nice new like your modern television. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just so much easier to pick out those uh, those little things in movies when you're watching it uh, uh, the way it was meant to be seen. For sure, for sure. And then they kind of go through how like stuff's not really good at home, but then um, what I noticed, and this part of this was probably the weed, but it was also kind of the movie's intention. But at that point, I went from being very superficial and like watching everything that was going on, and kind of like had this step back where I started to see the the bigger story a little bit as well, they started to get to the next part of the movie. There's some interesting stuff that happens in the movie that like, like I said, everything in this movie has a double meaning. Like in the first scene where Donnie's waking up, um, you can, like I said, you can tell he has a deja vu feeling, but one of the things is uh, in that scene when, um, you know, the father talks about, they're watching TV together, him and his wife. And they say that something about the guy, Frankie or whatever, you know, he was doomed. And he mm -hmm. talks about, you know, that's, he's like, that could be Donnie. Um, and now, it, it just, now, Sorry to cut you off, but it should be noted that this is one of the extended cut um, scenes um, where they're, they're in the hotel room and the wife's like laying on his chest and they're, they're talking about that. But yeah, Frankie, Frankie uh, Fillmore, what, I forget what the last name he, he gave him, but he had a, la a last name. Yeah, 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 yeah. He and had, so that uh, gives you a lot of context to the movie. And it does, it does this a lot in this movie where characters foreshadow stuff like constantly in this mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. Uh, so um they foreshadow in a way that you can't you 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 wouldn't know your first watch through you know what absolutely I mean? yeah. yeah so so the movie starts amping up and then it does this cut to the next uh time frame this is the next day or whatever and um it's the scene where uh donnie first sees frank for the first time wake up and it's just so so well done um you know, it's, it's a great way to introduce that character and it's so creepy and dark. And I was so high at this point, like 
it, it just I remember it stuck out as just like this huge moment of the of the film for me I don't know how you guys felt about the uh the first time you saw Frank but it's like that is one big rabbit Oh yeah, it's creepy. It's There's a lot of symbolism creepy. to rabbits in this film, right? Um, well, what's funny, actually, uh, the rabbit costume. Uh, well, I haven't seen the director's cut, but uh, upon research, uh, uh, was it was supposed to be based off of. It was supposed to be an allusion to Water Shipdown, which was apparently going to be involved in the movie somehow. But that in, in the cut. extended cut, there is a scene yeah. where the teacher okay. gives the teacher gives Donnie uh, the book Water Shipdown and says, "Maybe you and Frank could read this together." okay that makes yeah. sense well and and this is this is kind of coming back to what we were talking about at the start where when you watch the regular version you have these kind of like areas that are left to your own interpretation and mm -hmm. the extended cut and director's cut kind of holds your hand through those so it's um it's pretty crazy this is actually good i was actually i was really hoping that that i had i wasn't the only one that hadn't watched the director's cut because it's it's, yeah. it's interesting to hear you know the 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 factual version of things that I've interpreted. That which is right. one of the things that's well, great about this film. Even the thing you think about it, like the rats, there's the rabbits. There's symbolism there. The rabbits are all over, and they they what they represent is the evil adult world. You'll see them in different scenes with Donnie as well, and it, it shows him that you know symbolically um, he he doesn't care for like these unenlightened adults, and you know he even says, "I don't see the point in crying over a dead rabbit." He never feared death, anyways, and that's part of Donnie's realization as he's you know, going through Groundhog Day, he, the, the rabbit is like a powerful symbol for him yeah. of the, 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 you know, him being enlightened and everyone else not being, I guess. For sure. For sure. So, so right after the scene where he first sees Frank, it goes back to the house and uh, it's a little scene with his sister and it's, it's leading up to the big kind of boom moment. But prior, immediately prior to that, I had, I had one of my um, stoner thoughts and I was like, that's, Jake Gyllenhaal's real sister in real life and yeah. also his sister as a character in the movie. I'm like, that would be kind of weird, I think, to like be making a movie and my real sister has to be my act, like show sister as well. But we're both different people. It's, it, it would have been a, a little bit of a thing. And so that was one right. of my little uh, stoner high tangents but then i was quickly kicked out of that by a flipping jet engine falling through the ceiling yeah <laughs> yeah that'll do it <laughs> yeah and i was like i i don't think at that point we even really knew it was a jet engine and i just was like an earthquake of some kind um but yeah then uh it, it cuts to donnie being woken up on a golf course and here's where patrick swayze enters the uh the equation and well there's something to, to mention about that before too um, yeah you know the, the, before you go into that you know the, why sure. does why does donnie end up on the golf course because frank tells him to and because yeah. of that he avoids dying from whatever the metal object is and right. if if you really get into this movie um and you do some research on it that's like kind of the start of an alternative universe basically is when right. that engine misses donnie he's now in what's called the tangent universe yeah and you know, Donnie is kind of the main character in this this rip in the tangent universe, and and it really starts when he wakes up, and you know, Frank tells him he's got like, you know, twenty eight days to you know, change things. For sure, for yeah, sure. Fellas, if I may take it back to Patrick Swayze for a moment. <laughs> no, no, that's that's uh, where we're going anyway. Doesn't it seem a little wrong to see him running around in this movie so much? Like, I feel like it was like, was that his last movie before? Uh, he was not able to run and stuff anymore. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was or not, to be honest. I never, uh, I never bothered to fact check that. But I, I feel like that anytime I kind of uh, look back, there's always that fleeting moment of like, oh, that guy's not around to entertain us anymore with their, their. Uh, I also know, just had antics. a high moment where I just realized I confused Patrick Swayze with Christopher Reeve. Okay. My <laughs> last. <laughs> 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 That's classic I got song. high and put it in my notes and then got high again and did this podcast oh god <laughs> and, and, and this is exhibit A folks of why I don't get high for the podcast oh jeez um, but um, then yeah we, we're, we're told it was not an earthquake in fact a jet engine fell in his room yeah. and um, it just uh you know, the family's all kind of shook up and stuff. And he gets back to the house. And yeah, 
It's, and it, it's really interesting. Like this is a really central plot point because if you really think about it, if you're going to really go down the rabbit hole as Donnie does in this movie and you really get into the time travel kind of behind this movie, if you think about it, there's really three, you know, jet engines. There's the jet engine one, which is the one that's in the primary universe that's still attached to the plane. The second one is attached to the plane that, you know, in the end that his mom and Sparkle Motion are on. And the third one is the anomaly. That's the one that Frank saves Donnie from in the Tangent Universe. And by the end, you know, you'll see that this is a really central plot point to Donnie kind of being the hero of, of this story. And what's right. interesting is there's even a scene around 1530 where his sister is talking to uh, his, his younger sister, Samantha, and he's like, you know, news can't explain why the engine crashed. It was a, you know, it, they can't explain it. And, and it's kind of like this rip in space-time fabric. Yeah, once again, so once, pretty simple once, plot, really. <laughs> side, <laughs> side note, that is also an extended cut um, clip. Well, you can come to that conclusion on your own if you really put together the philosophy of time travel that is like talked about in the movie, basically. For sure, for sure. Um, I just, I just want people to be aware so that if they, if they watch these uh, standard edition, they're not like, "Hey, I never saw that part." Oh, yeah. I never saw that part either. I didn't. Re I just read about it. I and I was like reading like theories about it. And I was like, "Yeah, oh, oh, I, I really have to check out this uh, this uh, director's extended cut." Extended like, cut. Yeah, really excited to see it. Well, and that that kind of takes us back to like if if you watch the normal version and you liked it, it's worth it to get into the extended stuff mm -hmm. because because it. Well, it covers that's the all thing. This. Like what we're saying about like the three uh, the three universes, it all makes sense, but it's not really a spoiler because well, there's two like, universes. There's two universes. There's three engines. Yeah, three jet engines, yeah. Well, yes, yeah, well, yeah, sorry, yes, you're right about that, but it's not really a spoiler, like, so to speak, but it's, like, one of those things that, like, it'll save you watching the movie 15 more times. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, we have that pivotal plot point, and then um, it starts to get into some more movie stuff. Um, it A bunch of new characters are introduced. We, we get their first scene with, uh, it's another scene with Swayze, but it also has the, the dude from ER who is like a teacher at the school. It introduces Drew Barrymore, who's the other teacher at the school. And like a whole bunch of new characters are introduced and we start to get into some of the school stuff, which ends up be, being pretty important too, because a, a lot of the stuff is centered around school. And um, it's some, like a coming some, of age story yeah. and like you know oh, in absolutely. 1640 is really funny where they talk to Sharita like that wouldn't fly mm. these days like kids are so messed up and oh, I wanted the shot too when like you know it twirls when he jumps out of the back of the bus I just right. love that so much when like mm -hmm. 80s when that 80s song Tear for Fears comes on and yeah yeah it's 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 so great and the lyrics with the one foot in the past um, did you guys ever have a bus driver who let you jump out of the back of the bus? No. I did yep. once. It was yep. cool. I did. I, I had a bus. I had a bus driver who uh, used to let us smoke in the back of the bus. Shout out, shout out, shout out, Bob Stanley. He's uh, he's passed away now, but he used to let us smoke in the back of the bus. I, I love um, that that shot though too, because it like kind of mm -hmm. refers back to like other classic films like Breakfast Clubs and like John Hughes kind of movies where it's like that yeah. teenage kind of point of view and. Um, it's really sure. interesting. Um, so at this point, like a lot of stuff is going on and a lot of story is starting to happen. And so I literally have in my notes right here, shut up and watch the movie, put the notes down. And so I did. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I just kind of let the movie kind of take me on a little bit of a ride. And, and I found that while I was doing that, I was able to appreciate like kind of some of the more artistic stuff, um, like the the director angles and the lighting gradually is starting to get weirder and darker. Mm -hmm. um, we get a, a infomercial with Swayze doing his like um, motivational speaker shtick, and uh, yeah, Patrick this Swayze, not Christopher Reeves, for the people right, listening right, at home. <laughs> notably, notably different actors. Um, but then then it goes back to the class and it's panning around, and yeah, exactly like Phil said, boom. Seth Rogen is like, whoa, I, I forgot he was even in this movie. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a, a big shock for me. So uh, Seth Rogen, you are two for two on our show now. Um, but I had totally forgotten you were in this. Um, anyway. Uh, there was a background noise there. I just dropped something. That's okay. I, I was too busy talking to hear it. Um, then Donnie sees Frank again. Mm -hmm. um, and we see him like eventually get the axe. And he goes and he smashes the dog with it. 
the uh, sorry, it was a mascot of the dog in front of and the school. And also the the pipe. And you got to think too, like this kind of alludes to the fact that Donnie has like superhero powers. Like think mm -hmm. about where that that axe is placed on that statue. Like how would someone yes. get the strength to yes. smash an axe into it? So it, there's a lot of things that Donnie does in this movie that like the telekinesis at the end, his mm -hmm. ability to to conjure water and fire, um, his yep. superhuman strength, his ability to see the future. Um, yep. It's really interesting. And like the thing is, I love like. When, when it says it's like, wake up, Donnie, uh, and he, um, you know, goes and they, they say to him, I'll show you what else. And it's like the axe and the, the metal sculpture. Um, yes. Yeah. The made, the made well, me do it. Yes. Well, that axe, even just the positioning of it, like I was watching the, the, the movie again and seeing the position. And I'm like, how would you, how would you even swing an axe from that position? And then, yeah. then you, you look into the subcontext. Oh, it's, he's, he's a, it's a superhero movie. Yeah, and the part that he says they made me do it, and like the when you watch it once again, the extended cut, you can figure this out. And what he's talking about is that everyone in this tangent universe is kind of like an actor in Donnie's kind of decision making, right. and yep. they there's there's called the living uh, manipulated and the manipulated dead, and mm -hmm. you know you can put together you know the girl that he chooses as the he's the cute boy is is Gretchen who's the manipulated dead, and so is as you'll find out is is Frank, and it's it what what it does is it kind of goes back to the idea of where you know Donnie is the main character and he's being guided to do these things where yeah. Frank is the kind of the what he tells him exactly what he needs to do but Gretchen yeah. gives him the why like why do I do these things and right well and sorry characters. sorry to jump in but like yeah there's that scene where they're walking together and he tells her his name and she's like what are you a superhero or something and he's like what makes <laughs> you think I'm not exactly, exactly. by so, the way slick line yeah <laughs> yeah very slick yeah, yeah. Um, so my, my notes here I have gets really story heavy. I sit back and watch and put the notes down. So I did that several times through this movie. So folks, you try to watch this movie high, taking notes probably isn't your best bet. I'm just going to say because there's several moments where you're like, I can't be writing right now. I have to be watching. So um, I, I started once again, really start to enjoy the story, enjoy the angles. Um, and I, I really noticed this cool effect because right after this, uh, he starts to see the tunnels coming mm -hmm. out of people's chests. The workers, yeah. he calls them. Right, right. And um, so, like, we don't know really what that is. If you're only watching the standard version, we don't really know what those are at, at that point. We just are like, whoa, there's like these weird wormholes coming out. And I had a, a brief uh, kind of filmmaker moment where I was like, this movie's really old, and the effects on that actually weren't that bad. No, they're great. As old as it was. Like, they, they hold up pretty good. Um, yeah, the only time I really noticed the effects actually being kind of cheesy was when he was putting his hand against the barrier and mm. the ripples that were coming yeah. around. That looked a right. little cheese, but other than that, they did a great job. Really cool scene, though, too, up. where he kind of it foreshadows what he does to Frank. Once again, all the foreshadowing, yeah. like, this movie, like, there's so many parts where it's foreshadowing, like, the part where they're out for the walk, him and Gretchen, and she's like, you know, I want to, you know, if you could time travel, I would go back and make the world better, and it, yeah. it kind of talks about, once again, that Donnie is this, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, allusions to Donnie being, like, a Christ-like figure, not, like, mm. the the empathetic, nice Christ that we know in, like, the right. Bible, but more of the but, destructor yeah. Christ. Right, some, well, some he kind even tells Swayze that he... Sorry, we're jumping all over the time frame of this movie, but that's movie fine. That's fine. About time travel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he tells Swayze about that. Yeah, he, he talks tells him. Swayze he's the Antichrist. He calls Swayze the Antichrist in the school thing, yeah. which is, and you know, and that's it is true because Donnie is this enlightened being, and that's why he yeah. acts the way that he does. So, um, to to get back to what you were saying, the uh, the foreshadowing part where he's like jabbing the knife into the ripple. Mm -hmm. And you see a light shining on Frank's eye, like it's hitting him, hitting yep. him, hitting him. And then it calls that back in the movie theater when he's in there with his uh, girlfriend watching the movie and Frank shows up and is like, have you ever seen a portal? Yeah. And that, which is a big moment actually as well. Um, but then Donnie tells him to take off his hood and he takes off his hood and his eye is like messed up. Mm -hmm. um, but then, yeah, you start to see afterwards that like the things that donnie is doing that seem like you know the flooding of the school and uh like in the next part when he lights the guy's house on fire they're all stuff that frank told him to do but the mm -hmm. outcome of all of them are positive events yeah yeah right he was meant to do them he was meant right. to do them exactly yep. he, f he floods the school that leads to him meeting gretchen 
and he lights uh, Swayze's house on fire, and he gets arrested and busted for being like uh, a pedophile. So it was um, it was kind of this little story uh, shadow that he you know, the things on the outset seem like, oh, kind of bad things. My, my rabbit friend is like telling me to do these things like flooding and, and lighting things on fire. But the actual outcome uh, ends up being this very positive thing mm-hmm. overall. Yeah. yeah. Well, and see, and that's the thing, right? That's one of the things I really like about this movie is because most of, most of the rabbits I know, they just get me into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing too right because like you gotta think that donnie's kind of like an unreliable narrator like even though there's a tangent universe that he's a- existing in even before that he's seeing and he's seeing a therapist so you have to kind of look through these eyes of like yeah donnie's this enlightened guy but he's in this like kind of unknown world where, where even his therapist is kind of like guiding him along to do what his his destiny really is i guess Sure, but at the at the same time as all that, like just on the barest surface level, he's also a teenager, a teenage boy with mental health issues, mm-hmm. um, who's stopped taking his medication. So even that alone is like, whoa, like there's some stuff going on there. But then, but on top of that, though, Brett, he's not even crazy. He's right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah the thing, exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and they're prescribing him medication for that. Like, do you guys? I got a question oh, for you guys. Do you guys know what movie they're watching in the theater? Uh, uh, Evil Dead. Yes. Yeah, and and actually, the on the movie theater writer, it says the Last Temptation of Christ. Which Evil is Dead. interesting. It says Evil Dead, the Last Temptation of Christ. Those were the two movies playing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It was a uh, nice little uh, nice, nice little plot device there. Um, but yeah, then they uh, they do the Halloween party. And because uh, the mother has left, uh, this is skipping over a whole bunch because I was really into the movie at this point. A whole bunch has happened. Um, Storyline events that are kind of leading to the, uh, the big climax at the end. So um, the dance team, Donnie's sister is on a dance team and the dance team actually gets uh, an award and gets to go to some notorious dun, 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 <laughs> Duran Duran that's such a, also once again yeah great great song yeah. Sparkle Absolutely. Great <laughs> but th- they get to go to um I, I forget where the place was Los Angeles or Los something Angeles, yeah I was I was really into the movie by this point but uh they they win this award and they get to fly out for this competition and uh their coach um is so distraught by Patrick Swayze's character getting outed as like a huge perv that she's like, I can't go. I have to represent his defense and stuff. So she asked Donnie's mom to go and mm-hmm. chaperone the her daughter's dance team. And uh, that ends up playing a huge role in the the part after that. But that that's why the parents were gone. That allowed Donnie and his sister to throw a party at their house. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one person we should mention before all this that's kind of like yeah. key to the story is... Yeah. Uh, Roberto Sparrow, which like, yes. she's known as like Grandma Death and there's a lot of different scenes with her in it. And right. one of the things that really helped drive this moving along is um, because these people are like what's called the manipulated living, they're, they're kind of driving Donnie to make his decisions. And her, her book, because they don't show it in the regular movie, but there is like heavy implications of her book, The Philosophy of Time Travel. Um, and I think it's important to kind of mention that because it, for sure there's some theories around Sparrow too. And they do they do show a scene with uh, Noah Wiley, the the ER guy. He's like the science teacher, and he's, he's called having, Montanoff, Doctor Montanoff. Yeah, yeah. He's having he's having a cool conversation with Donnie about potential time travel and stuff, and ends up giving him the Roberto Sparrow book. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's also a scene with Donnie and his dad where they almost hit Roberto Sparrow like on the road. She's yeah. standing on the road and they almost hit her and they get out and talk to her and she whispers something in Donnie's ear and we don't because know what everyone, it is. It's everyone dies alone. You find right. out later, right? We, we don't hear it. that at that point, but yeah, later on we find out it's everyone dies alone and that kind of, there's, there's this, there's this scene with this therapist at the end where like he's, he's saying that he can see Frank right then. She's got him under hypnosis and stuff. And she tells him like, if you, if you go with him, like, it'll only be you and him. Yeah. Like, well, and, and the thing is, is, you know, when he talks about the search for God being absurd, he doesn't mm-hmm. really debate it anymore. He says he's weighed the pros and cons and it, it kind of shows you what I think 
a lot of people believe that Donnie is in a time loop until he makes the right decision. And that kind of reinforces that for me, because yeah. if, if everyone dies alone, you know, he says, I don't want to die alone. And he's really upset. He, he kind of hasn't fully accepted what he must do, but he knows what he must do. And I feel that's kind of telling in that part of the movie because mm-hmm. it goes from that. And then the next scene is him, you know, watching The Last Temptation of Christ and Evil Dead. So it kind of, yes. once again, it's once again, foreshadowing. If you don't know the Absolutely. whole story, but it, it foreshadows it. Yeah, because yeah, definitely. And there's really interesting stuff around Montanoff because he can't finish the conversation with Donnie because he, he brings up the paradox of around, dumb, you know, divine fate versus making your own decisions, which yeah. is a really like existential question. And an important note is Montanoff can't talk about it because he's a Catholic school teacher. Um, and right. so if he, he could get fired for speaking of something outside of, you know, of, of you know, established religion in, in a Catholic Definitely. school. So you can really tell their frustration because this, this kind of scenes are all building up around Donnie is kind of accepting what he must do. And he's, right. he's kind of struggling well, with it. And not only that, everyone he interacts with is in some way guiding him to doing the thing that he is like destined to do. Exactly. And uh, yeah, he talks about, he talks about the, the wormholes or not the wormholes, sorry, the, uh, the tunnels out of the chest. Yeah. He talks about yeah, those the workers. like emblematic of free will. Mm-hmm. and that's that's another extended cut scene but he talks about that being kind of like reminding him of people having the choice and stuff so that's a nice little um way to kind of you know um uh, tie into all that kind of stuff yeah it's but, an interesting uh, movie like there's like a lot of characters like montanoff and pomeroy you know where where the part where she gets fired and then she's still guiding you know, um, Donnie, whether it's like really cellar door, the cellar door is such an yeah. overt like, thing. It's just so over, but it's like, clearly it's just like, like it was like fate's last ditch effort. They're like, fine, we can't do it. Suddenly cellar door. <laughs> right. Right. Well, not yeah. only that, like Donnie, Donnie may like actually mentions, uh, at, at some point during the party or whatever that he has to leave. Cause he has to stop it. Yeah. yeah, and we don't really know what he's talking about, but then like the yeah the cellar door thing ties in, and it ends up being significant because he gets to Roberta Seth Sparrow's Rogan place. Yeah, he gets to Roberta Sparrow's <laughs> place, goes in the cellar door per the instructions, and yeah, it's Rogan and his buddy, the two uh, kind of. Uh, We're there to really help him once again. We it's so coincidence that they're just there to guide him along to what he must do, right? Right, and even though they're the antagonists and they're kind of like you know holding knives up to his throat and stuff, the the whole scene is is another guiding direction because they drag him and Gretchen out, blah blah blah. She ends up like prone on the road, laying down. Um, they see a car coming and they take off. Car swerves to Miss Roberta Sparrow, who's conveniently standing in the road, runs yeah. over Gretchen killing her and who gets out of the car but frank and but, not not bunny frank but like real right, dude right. frank and, and that's that explains a lot of the movie because when you even if you don't know the extended cut frank then gets shot by donnie and he becomes like a superpower becomes he becomes what's called the manipulated dead and that's what gives him the power to travel back in time so that donnie doesn't get hit by the the artifact like the the metal object yep. and he's the one that guides donnie along and one of the cool parts of that scene is where donnie kind of knows what he must do and he finally realizes that when he says that duas ex machina which yep. refers to god from the machine and it refers yep. to the fact that you know it comes from actors playing gods over the stage mm-hmm. in, in greek and roman play so like people that controlled you know the actors and yep. donnie realized that that he was kind of the nexus point for this you know wrong time for loop. sure he got to witness his life for a while after he should have been dead and it was a strange world because you know it wasn't the world that he was meant to be and once he realized his role as and that's what i was hearkening to before he accepted it and he, and he realized that that's where he needed to be when you know time righted itself so that's kind of like the, the party scene that's where it really starts building up and it's kind of like the third yeah. act oh Absolutely. speaking of the party scene sorry can i just butt in here yep yeah. uh, <laughs> his friend's uh costume what was it roncho man that's yeah. what it was, and he was like, but he was—he looked like Hulk Hogan, but it said Rancho Man. Yeah, yeah, that was sick. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's one of those feel-good moments, and and this this movie did have a lot of those like superficial feel-good moments too, because even even after he decides, you know, we need to stop it or whatever, and he's heading to Roberta Sparrow's house, like there's this full-blown like 1980s teens on bikes like montage scene where they're yes. riding there, and it's it's got the. <laughs> 
the classic 80s music and like it you know it was just very fun to watch that but uh, literally one of my last notes is every movie set in the 80s has to have a teenage bike ride scene in the dark (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and uh and where do all these headlights on bikes come from you ever have a headlight on your bike no not when i was a kid Um, and i i love that in even though he's doing what he's uh kind of you know what what he's meant to do and what he has to do there's still that little bit of teen uh realness and angst because he promptly after realizing that this dude ran over his girlfriend promptly shoots frank right in the eye yeah with a gun like and crash yes, shot that's, style yeah and it's it's definitely part of like a a bigger picture and it's part of his his you know divine purpose or whatever but it's still like for me i looked at it and i'm like yeah I'd probably be pretty mad if a dude ran over my girlfriend in a car oh, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and that so there actress, was actress. What's uh, Jenna? Uh, oh, I can't Mal- Jenna Malone. Yeah. Always had such a crush on her growing up. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, she's like that. She's that girl. She's that girl next door. And you know, this movie is is really interesting, right? Because it ends with you know Donnie using his powers and is kind of expired by Gretchen and Frank's death to be the hero because he doesn't want to let them die in that that world because he wants to correct it right and that's you know when it comes to the end of the movie he comes to this realization and there's a lot of like religious undertones here where mm-hmm. donnie is this enlightened like christ-like figure yeah um, mm-hmm. and i think that's really interesting to think about and talk about because um you know frank you know donnie also comes across as like a unreliable narrator so is he making all of this up or is it actually like the truth behind it you right. don't really know right yeah, there's there's this there's this definite ambiguity where you're like, this could all be just in his head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like from the movie perspective, now it it starts the kind of whole thing where Mad World kicks on and he's starting to realize that now, okay, we have the two manipulated dead characters in the movie are both actually dead now. Um, Gretchen from the car, Frank from the thing. And it's almost like he he realizes and he sees mm-hmm. the kind of like swirling vortex. And it like all clicks into place for him. Well, because all the characters in this movie were like the manipulated living and the manipulated dead. Like they're, you know, the, the, like the paranormal time traveling manipulated dead and the, and the manipulated living, like they're, they're all guiding him towards this, this path. Like even like, right. you know, Re- Re- Roberta Sparrow giving yep. him the sign and him writing their letter talking about how, you know, I hope everything's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's all kind of meant to happen. Like, um and you know donnie is called in that book the living receiver because i think because he was the closest to this time rip he's the one that has to kind of correct it and right. he, he does in the end and that's why i say at the movie there there's a, a theory about this being like a time loop because if you watch the end and the start it ends and starts on the same day october 2nd and in yeah. the start of the movie donnie has this you know because he has mentally unhealthy he seems to have these weird expressions i don't think they're yeah. weird expressions though i feel like he knows he's slowly yeah. realizing and that's why he he's done this event over and over again and he remembers from the last time you know what yeah. happened yeah, it's de- it's definitely um, it, it gets you thinking about that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, here's here's one of my my favorite parts of the movie. It happens to be the end because you know he's got he's got his girlfriend. He's carrying her down the street. Like you start to see um, the the vortex, and you see his mom and his sister in the jet, and you see like the big flash, and like then all of a sudden, like Frank's talking in the background about the you know what's required to actually complete the time travel and stuff and like time the time that he had had run out and stuff and you start to see all these changes um from that moment where it flashes when they're in the jet and then him carrying his girlfriend kissing his sister on the cheek and like you start to see everything unraveling the days and stuff um because he goes into his bed and he's got this smile on his face almost like you know it's done like he's completed his purpose yeah, because the tangent universe ended because, you know, it, it was supposed to collapse over 28 days and, yeah. you know, Donnie has been able to to put the engine back where it was supposed to be and it's called which, the... Which is in his room, killing him, by the way. Spoiler alert, 19 years later. Um, <laughs> and he's laughing in bed because he kind of right, finally folks. gets it, right? And Phil, like, I don't know about you, but like, he's he's laughing because like, he's kind of 
done something. He, he, in a lot of the characters in this movie, you'll notice that they're not really happy. Like, you know, Karen Pomeroy, you know, as you can see her, she's upset because she's swearing at the end about being fired because she can't be the person that she wants to be. Yeah. No one's really happy in this movie because they're, they're all meant to kind of guide Donnie. And I think that's why he's laughing at the end. It's not because he's crazy. Um, it's that he finally like realizes that, you know, he doesn't need to be scared anymore because he's kind of enlightened. Well, and, yeah. and in a way, like, his biggest fear was being alone and he'll never be alone again because all these people who didn't really have their own free will because mm -hmm. they had to exist to propel Donnie towards this eventuality. Um, once he dies from the jet engine, like they're, they're free. And there's like, clearly I, some deja vu there, right? Like the, mm -hmm. the ending where Gretchen waves to Donnie's mom, you know, did you know him when the little kids talking to him? And she's like, no, but you can tell by like the shot there. I remember being stoned and being like, whoa yep. Gretchen is remembering and her mom's remembering and they're connecting over like this view that they're both but they don't know what they're remembering it's just like kind of like a sensation that like there's yeah, actually there's... a moment like that earlier in the film as well which is when uh the, when his mom Donnie's mom gets asked to go to LA by that uh, the dance instructor yep yep uh and you see her face because she's just like you can see, like, you think, like, just by the look on her face, you think she's going to just, like, tell her right off, but she doesn't, and then it ends up later, it's like, but you can see, like, it's like, it's almost like something mm -hmm. comes over her, because she, like, her every instinct is just like, no, I'm not doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, then, uh, yeah, like you were saying, Terrell, there's a scene with the girlfriend on the bike, kind of looking at the house, and having that moment with the mom and that's kind of like how the movie wraps up and if you're anything like I was last night uh super high watching this movie like you get to that end and you're like whoa like that movie was a ride like it it really was uh outstanding actually oh yeah. absolutely yeah it's definitely one of my favorite movies I think the um the storyline of like the following God's past or free will, you know, it's really interesting stuff. And I think the time travel part of it, whereas like, you know, is Donnie now like some fourth dimension being like traveling mm -hmm. through space and time. Um, it's really kind of interesting because it's, it has a lot of uh, theory, like, uh, you know, it talks a lot about like unknowable repercussions, um, yeah. you know, self-sacrifice, empathy. It shows that your actions are really powerful um mm -hmm. and it's a it, it, it's a much deeper movie that you just can't get in one watch <laughs> absolutely yeah and uh like like we said right at the start like the the standard version and the director's cut are like beginner and advanced if you if you want to get into darkoism yeah um, well that's the thing i feel like i was i was gonna say earlier like I feel like now that I'm going to watch like the, the director's cut edition of it, I feel like I'm, it's like, it's almost like I'm playing on new game plus mode. Yeah, I just want to quickly shout out the director, uh, Richard Kelly, because this was his directorial debut. Yeah. And you really? wouldn't know it. You would I did not, not know realize it. that. Yeah. Yeah. So what a way to begin your career as a director. Um, so yeah, all in all, watch the movie feel good about it and just man it's it's critically acclaimed at, at the time when it came out it wasn't like a big like box office movie but if you read reviews about it you know a lot of people really really enjoy donnie darko and i think that for me it came out at a time when i was like 15 i remember watching it stoned um like as a young man and it really really got me and in watching it now it, mm -hmm. it, it is one of my favorite movies to watch over and over and I think it, it doesn't really get old and that's why I'm like so sucked into all the the, the nitty-gritty details of it oh yeah. yeah well I again like yeah I remember watching it like yeah a bunch of times really high when I was younger and coming back and watching it again and it still leaves me with the same question how yeah. Donnie is that Darko yeah <laughs> exactly Gyllenhaal does a great job like with the acting in this movie you really believe that he's like torn and messed up and he really yeah. plays the characters super well and and that that kind of vibe of the uh the kind of tortured soul became a bit of a hallmark for him actually <laughs> oh, after absolutely. this movie and like he he does that role very well he does every role very well as far as i'm concerned like i i, I definitely enjoy him as an actor but i find that like some of his best ones like night stalker and stuff are 
the ones where he's like some kind of just like slightly weird, odd, kind of disturbed dude. And uh, he, he definitely handles that role pretty well. And this movie's no exception. So on that note, um, yeah, we, uh, we really donnied that Darko, I would say. <laughs> yeah, we, I think we Darkoed it up pretty good, boys. Yeah, and we really dug into that movie, and I'm glad that we, we had a chance to talk Absolutely, about it. And, and for anyone who's still with us, thank you, A, for being with us, and B, go watch Donnie Darko, get high, sit down, watch the original standard version, doesn't matter. Me, I, I had a heck of a time getting it. I had some technical difficulties. Cody wasn't behaving itself. I ended up renting it on Google Play Movies. Um, <laughs> and it was the paid st- for media. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. Sorry that I... Hey, that I no, I'm proud of you, bro that I paid for stuff. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I got it done and it was a standard version and Talk. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, and then what I really enjoyed was after the movie was over and I felt like, you know, I had a handle on what I had just seen, but I was also very curious as to if there was, you know, anything more to it and boy, was there more to it. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in going down some crazy theoretical uh, rabbit hole, pun intended uh enjoy watching donnie darko both the regular and the director's cut and i don't think i don't think there's any way you'll have a bad time so right on well uh guys i want to say thanks for having me uh everyone who's listening thank you for listening and uh, it's been a lot of fun I, i i hope to be on again in the future yeah absolutely no we uh we're really glad to have you providing your insight and uh your own unique brand of humor which we love or we wouldn't hang out with you so <laughs> oh okay well no but uh i hear there might be some i've heard mention of the rock yes the so am i so right we're we're coming to that yes uh we want to we want to plug next week's episode for you we we have uh something special we're doing um for all my wrestling fan uh wrestling friends who are listening to this we're doing a classic a kill switch engage song this fire burns which is most recently used by uh wrestler cm punk so we're gonna we're gonna listen to that song kind of get into that a little bit and for our movie we chose the nick cage action classic the rock and oh such a good movie i just watched it not too long ago and i can't wait to watch it again yeah yeah it's gonna be really exciting it was it was one of my favorite movies uh when it came out and i watched it a ton of times back then and i'm interested to see how watching it all these years later while uh under the influence of some good tasty cannabis will uh will either change or enhance my my preconceived notions about the movie i'm very excited um sean connery is also a stud in that movie and uh yeah we're very much looking forward to it cage rage baby cage rage um and i also want to do a special plug uh because this month has a very special holiday halloween and uh, we really want to do something special for our halloween episode coming up at the end of the month so we've chosen some uh halloween themed content to do for that episode uh our song we'll be doing is the michael jackson classic thriller which uh is outstanding song and has a really kind of a weird and crazy music video so maybe we'll uh, include the music video as part of part of that whole thing but uh for movies we're doing cult classic the crow which of course is set on devil's night and halloween and is also a very great movie very dark interesting film that has a, a really interesting story to say the least that goes with it yeah, yeah. Not that we're, you know, into these crazy story-driven movies that make you think or anything, but... <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyone still with us, we, we thank you for being with us, and uh, we look forward to breaking down a couple new tunes for you next week and really uh, showing you Stoner's point of view. Yeah, 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 yeah.